So Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Father, we thank you so much for your word. God, we thank you for giving us this incredible piece of scripture, Lord, that we can, we can look at and we can learn about you. God, I pray as we dig into your word this morning, I pray, Lord, that it would find good ground in our heart. Lord, I pray that you would soften our hearts to receive everything that your word has for us today. In Jesus' name, give somebody high five and be seated. Now, when David penned, when he wrote Psalm 23, he, he came at it from a grid of understanding. He wasn't just some king sitting in a palace with a whole bunch of people around him that knew a bunch of stuff and internet in front of him so he could do a lot of research. When David wrote Psalm 23, he wrote it because David was also a shepherd. See, David understood shepherding. He knew, he knew what it was like to live with sheep. He knew what it was like to smell like sheep. He knew that, that, uh, that shepherding was a very humbling job. In fact, it's kind of on the, 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 the bottom of the totem pole of society is where shepherds were. They were kind of like the guys that, that come out for our house like every Tuesday and Friday, those guys that work on the trash truck. Shepherds were kind of those guys. They were the guys that nobody really recognized. However, society knew that they needed shepherds. They were very crucial uh, to the society uh, in, in which David lived. And so it was humbling, but it was hard work. It was, and, and it was honorable, but it took diligence. It took a watchful eye. It took, it, it was, if, if Mike Rowe did a story on it, it would be Dirty Jobs. I mean, it was hard work. You guys have seen Dirty Jobs. And uh, shepherding would fit into that. It was a dirty job. It was hard work. It was dirty David knew that, that it was a job that required leading. By the way, you lead sheep. You don't drive sheep. You drive cattle. It's interesting God never said that, compared it to a, a, cattle, a, a cattle shepherd, but a sheep shepherd because you lead sheep. You don't drive sheep. David knew that. David knew that leading was hard when he wrote this. He knew that, that uh, leading, that, that, to be a shepherd that you had to gather, that it, that it involved gathering sheep together. David knew that it required tending the sheep, feeding them, watering them, tending, their, tending to their diseases. He had to kind of be like a, a vet sometimes to take care of these sheep. And he knew that it required protecting, watching out for wolves, watching out for thieves. Those would come and try to steal the sheep, watching out for bears and lions that would come and try to eat the sheep. He knew that it required protecting. So when David writes this psalm, he's writing it from a shepherd's perspective. He knew how hard it was to be a shepherd. Another thing that David understood is he understood sheep. I mean, it's kind of a requirement, right? To be a good shepherd, you kind of have to understand sheep, right? 
understood that, that sheep are productive and valuable. They were valuable for their meat, for their milk, for even the fat on their bodies. They were valuable to the core. They're, they're wool that would produce every year. They would have enough wool that you could sell. Their skin could be used. Their horns could be used. Everything about a sheep was valuable. In fact, they, sheep are one of the most resourceful animals on the planet. If they are managed well. If they are managed well. So their value must be protected. And David understood that about sheep. It's a serious job. It, you didn't get paid a whole lot for it, but it was serious. It was crucial to society. He also understood that sheep can't provide for themselves. They don't know where to eat. They don't know how to get there. If they go and they start eat, if they find a, a place of grass that they like, and they go over there and they start eating, eventually they'll eat up the roots and grass won't ever grow there again. So a good shepherd knows that they can't provide for themselves, that we have to lead them to a different patch of grass for a season so that grass can grow back in and not to eat the roots. So they have grass tomorrow to eat. He understands that sometimes they'll overeat. They'll just keep on eating and they'll get fat. He understood that they had a difficult time finding their own water source so that he would have to lead them to a place to find water. He also understood that they could not protect themselves. Sheep don't have quills like a porcupine or big, sharp, nasty teeth like an alligator, right? They have no defense mechanism. All they can do is bad. They can't protect themselves. They can't defend themselves. They're slow and they're not crafty. They're not too crafty. They stand no chance against predators. They're not very fast. They're prone to wander off. And they often fall prey to wolves, lions, bears, and other predators. They can drown. They can't swim. So if they fall into a water source, they can drown. Or they can, because they can't see well, they can fall off a cliff. Sheep are not very good. On their own. Sheep are feeble-minded. David understood this. They don't see very well. They don't hear very well. And I'm using the word feeble-minded because that's a nice way to say stupid. Right. <laughs> However, they remember scents. They remember voices. And for the most part, they follow well. They're fearful and confused easy, like, <laughs> right? It's like chickens. You guys ever did that to chickens really are chicken, right? Sheep are kind of like that. They're, they're always kind of timid and, and, and scared. Even towards their shepherd many times, they're a little bit timid. They're just not real smart. And the other thing that David understood about sheep, and I think that this was the most important thing for him to understand, Stand is that sheep need shepherds. Sheep need shepherds. They're incredibly valuable, but their value is contingent upon how good their shepherd is. They're incapable of leading themselves. 
In fact, the destiny and well-being of a sheep is contingent upon the care of his shepherd. It's the only context in which they are useful. The only context that a sheep is useful in is the context of having a good shepherd. David recognized something else. He recognized his need as a human. He recognized his need for a shepherd. I can imagine David sitting out one night. He's got the sheep all pinned, and he's sitting at the gate, and he pulls out his lute, you know, his little two-string guitar, looking up at the skies after a hard night's work, and it smells like poop and sheep. And he's dirty. He's probably a little hungry because his sheep didn't get enough grass to eat, so he gave some of his lunch away to some of the slower sheep, right? And he's looking around, and he's looking up at this beautiful sky, and David's thinking about this day that he spent all day tending sheep. And he said, you know what? The Lord is my shepherd. I'm just like them. I'm feeble-minded. I can't defend myself. I can't provide for myself. I am no good without the leading of someone who is wiser than I. So David strikes that guy. I think he probably played an E minor chord right there because it's the easiest one to play, right? The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. What was he saying? He was talking about the Lord, the God of heaven, the creator of all there is. He said, he is the one that shepherds me. I can imagine David looking upon all the stars and the galaxies that are millions of light, light years away. You know that many of the stars that you see are not stars. They're actually galaxies. They're clusters of stars. Star, galaxies that are way bigger than the galaxy that we're in, big, bigger than the Milky Way. In fact, I've got some pictures today to give you a, a little bit of perspective of what David was looking at. That, that, uh, that ye- the yellow one's the sun. <laughs> you guys, Brian Regan. The yellow one's the sun. And see that? That little blue one right there, that's, that's where you live, right? That's the earth. And this is, this is our solar system. And this is the earth in comparison to all these other beautiful things. And you're just like a little grain of sand on that planet right there. That's how little you are. And I know that many times you think that your problems are as big as that big old yellow one. Right? But it's not. Do we have the next one here? This is the Milky Way galaxy. This is the galaxy in which our solar system is located. This is not our solar system. This is the galaxy in which our solar system is. Do, do, do we have another one? There right there is the relative position of our earth and sun. Now this is one, this is a small galaxy of many galaxies. In fact, uh, scientists tell us that the universe is actually expanding. It's growing every day. Well, for us, it's a day, right? Every moment, the galaxy is expanding. It's gro- or the, the universe is expanding. It's growing, which tells me that if it's growing, that it had a beginning point. You can't have something that's growing without a 
beginning. You can't have a beginning without a beginner, right? You can't have a bang without a banger, right? Come on, right? And so the God that created all more than we can see, things that are millions of light years away, the God that created all of that looks at you, little bitty you, particle you, and says, I want to lead him. I want to lead her. The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord who created all. If you took a, a, a if you if you thought that the earth was the size of a baseball, and you compared it to our sun, you would actually have to find a ball that was twenty eight feet with a twenty eight feet radius. It'd be bigger than this room, a little baseball. If you took a grain of sand and you compared that to the size of the earth, you would have to draw a one-mile radius around it. And that's just our galaxy. And we could look at that and say, man, I'm so insignificant. But God doesn't think you're insignificant. God thinks that you have purpose. God thinks that you are worth being led. So you are feeble-minded. You can't provide for yourself. You're just a sheep. Now, until you admit that, you can't be in the care of the great shepherd. But when you admit that, you know that you can be led by someone who is infinitely wise, who is creative. Check this out, Colossians chapter 1. Isn't it humbling to think how little you are and how God picks you? I mean, it wasn't your idea to serve God. <laughs> Sheep don't get to go, hmm, let's see what shepherd I would like to pick today. No, 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 the shepherd picks the sheep. God picked you. Out of all the particles in our solar system, he picks you. Little particle you. Of all the majesty, he sees majesty in you. You were the one that he created in his image. The Lord is my shepherd. Colossians 1 says this. It says everything was created through him and for him. Why did God create all that? Because he wanted to. Because it's for him. Because he wanted to look at it. He wanted to to bask in how beautifully it's designed. That if the earth was just moved a couple of feet away from where it is, that it would not be able to sustain life. So God likes doing things like that. It was for him. He existed before anything else, and he holds all creation together. You know, scientists have told us that the atom, they can't figure out what holds the atom together. The only thing that they can say that holds the atom together is actually looks like sound waves. God spoke. The earth is held together by his voice. It's his voice that holds all things together. It's the same thing that happened in Genesis. When God speaks, creative things happen. Everything is created through him and for him. He existed before anything else, and he holds all creation 
together. Verse 21, it says, this includes you. You, who were once far away from God. The Lord has all these things, and he chooses to shepherd us. Did you know that the reason why Jesus came was to shepherd the human race? Was to lead them. Are you with me? 1 Peter 2.25, it says, For you were like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and the overseer of your souls. You were going astray. You were food for lions. And God looked at you and said, Come be a part of my flock. Jesus is the good shepherd. David didn't really have the whole grid for that, right? But he was learning. He was learning about the nature of his God. John chapter 10, let's switch gears. John chapter 10. When Jesus talks about shepherding, it's pretty good. I think he knows how to lead well. Come on, are you with me? People still follow Jesus. I'm convinced that you can't follow Jesus without leading people because he's the greatest leader in history. So how can you follow the greatest leader in human history and not lead somebody? The greatest influence. By the way, leadership is not a personality trait. Leadership is influence. So if Jesus has influenced you, then you have the ability to influence others. John 10. I'll tell you the truth. The man who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in some other way, is a thief and a robber. The man who enters by the gate is the shepherd of his sheep. The watchman opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he, is, when he is brought out all of his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but they did not understand what he was telling them. Therefore, Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth, I am the gate for the sheep. I thought you said Jesus was a shepherd. Hold on. All who ever come before me were thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. He will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. Here's the, the verse we like, right? But I have came that you might have life and life to the full, or life to the fullest, or life more abundantly. So Jesus is talking about the context of shepherd and sheep here, right? And he says this, he says, everyone that came before me were thieves, right? They were liars, they were thieves. Now what happened is all these people were come before Jesus and they claimed to be the Messiah, okay? If you study history, all these, there's all these people that have claimed to be the Messiah, all these, this folklore and all these kind of things. But Jesus, when Jesus says this, he's saying they were all liars, they were thieves. They were coming in. They were trying to lead you astray. They were trying to make you prone to the enemy. But I've come that you might have life. 
And how many know that you also have an enemy now that is coming to steal, kill, and destroy? In fact, the way that you know what God is doing and what the devil is doing is, is by this scripture right here. John chapter 10 tells us what the ministry of Jesus is, and it tells us what the ministry of the enemy is. The ministry of the enemy is to steal, kill, and destroy. When your bank account is empty, don't say, God is testing me. God is not testing. The devil is the one that makes your bank account empty. Now, maybe you're operating under his influence and stupidity. God does not make people sick. God does not bring physical ailments to people's body. Steal, kill, and destroy. Devil ministry. When you're sick, don't say, God is testing me. God's not testing you. That's the devil. The devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Steal, kill, and destroy. Things are destructive. Things that don't bring life. Devil ministry. Not to be associated with this side of the room. (laughs) Life and life more abundantly, Jesus ministry. It doesn't, doesn't take a lot. doesn't take real deep theology. You don't have to go to Bible school, although it's good if you do. You don't have to go to Bible school to understand Jesus ministry and enemy ministry or devil ministry. He came. Jesus' purpose was to destroy the works of the devil. And he did. I said he did. Okay? All right. Now, I want to give you guys an illustration. Let's pull this up. All right, this is what's called a sheep pen. Now, I know when you think sheep pen, you're thinking some big wooden thing that, you know, well, they didn't have those back then, but they had a lot of rocks in this part of the world. And this is a sheep pen, an ancient sheep pen in the days of Jesus. So what would happen is they would go in and they would get their sheep and they would buy their sheep and purchase their sheep and they would lead their sheep out to the pastures, which you can see they're not in, they're kind of a rural area, right? Rural, rural area. They're not in the city. Why were they out there? Because sheep could graze, right, for free. Didn't cost them anything to eat, right? So what would happen is they would lead them out, and then at night, the shepherd would lead his sheep to the sheep pen. By the way, shepherding was a 24-hour job. They might have had a day off, or somebody would come in and be the watchman for a, 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 a season, or a day of the week, or a couple of days a week. And what they would do is at night, they would lead their sheep into the sheep pen right here. And you guys could see that that would protect them. The problem is is there's this opening right there, right? That's where they would go in and out, as Jesus is talking about in John chapter 10 that we just read about. Then what would happen is the shepherd would stand right there in that little opening. When he stood there, he operates as a gate. On your fence at your house, if you had a little area in your backyard like that, you would have a gate, right? They didn't have gates. A person would stand there, and the person would be the gate. So the shepherd, what he would do is at night, he would pin his sheep up in there, and he would stand there all night long. Anytime a wolf or a lion or anything else or a person would try to come and get the sheep, they would have to go through that gate right there. Who is the gate? Jesus is the gate. Listen, anything that comes into your, into your life, if you belong to Jesus, must go through him. 
He's standing at the gate. Listen, we don't serve no wimpy little scrawny, blue-eyed, blonde hair American Jesus. We serve a strong warrior man who has fire in his eyes and ripped muscles. He's not some little weenie guy wearing skinny jeans. I'm just telling you, he's not. Not some little pansy. Is it Jesus meek and mild? He's not so meek and mild. He's the king. He rules with an iron scepter. He's a beast. Hey, can we play that little clip down at the end there, Daniel? I think it's down at the end of the thing. I want you guys to see uh, just some little illustration. It didn't have any audio to it. So this is what would happen. Now, this is a young boy that's a shepherd, probably like David. This is in the Middle East, like right now. People still follow this. You can see he's walking in. There he is. What is he doing? He's being the gate. So when Jesus says, I am the gate, this is what he's saying. I'm sitting right here. Now, these guys, you know, they're whatever. But Jesus is much stronger than these guys. He's not some little boy. He's the king. And he's the gate. Anything that comes into your life, he leads you in. He leads you out. And he protects you. Okay, let's get off that. So when the Lord is my shepherd... There's a couple of things that we can expect. Everybody say, he's my shepherd. He's your shepherd. He, listen, the only reason why he can be your shepherd is because he is the shepherd. Come on, are you with me? And he is the good shepherd. But he is also my shepherd. He, he belongs to me. He's the one that leads me. Come on. He's the one that guides me. He's the one that is the gate, the one that is standing there saying, you shall not pass. <laughs> right? Come on. John chapter 10, 14, this is what he says. The first thing that we can expect is friendship. Friendship. When he's, listen, a shepherd smells like sheep. Why does he smell like sheep? Because he's loving on sheep all day long. He's picking the stickers out of their wool. Come on. He's trying to play fetch with the sheep. They don't do so well at that. But he plays with the sheep. There's a friendship between the shepherd and his sheep. There's fellowship. There's communion. He says this, I am the good shepherd, John 10, 14. I know my sheep and they know me. See, many people today, they claim that Jesus is the shepherd, that Jesus is the, 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 the Lord of their life, but they don't know him. You say, oh, man, I know the Lord. I had this experience, this experience, this experience. No, knowing is now. Knowing is how I know Leslie, and she knows me. Knowing is friendship. It's fellowship. John 10, 27, my sheep listen to my voice, and I know them. I love John 15, 15. He says this, I call you friends. See, the shepherd is a friend to the sheep. He's not an enemy. He's not, he's not trying to test you and let's see if he's a real sheep or not. That's not, the heart, that's not the heart of my Jesus, my shepherd. He speaks to me. I know his voice. Listen, you have fellowship with God. You have fellowship with the God who created all that we can imagine. You have fellowship with him. You have friendship with him because of Jesus 
There is a connection between a sheep and a shepherd. As you know, a sheep will not follow a shepherd that he doesn't know his voice. Some of you don't follow well just because you haven't familiarized yourself and have fellowship with Jesus. See, it's not a list of a bunch of do's and don'ts. It's just about wherever you lead me, I will follow. Over here, okay, let's go. They know his voice. I ask you this morning, do you know his voice? I ask you another question. Does he know yours? Does he know your voice? Oh, yeah, he created me. But do you have fellowship? Is there a partaking? When Jesus said, come eat my flesh, right, and drink of my blood, how many know that he was talking about fellowship? He wasn't talking about being weird and cult-like. He's talking about fellowship. Will you partake with me? Do we have a friendship? Do we have a connection? This is why Jesus came to lead you, for connection, for friendship, for fellowship. Number two, when the Lord is my shepherd, it means leadership. Oh, how good it is to have Jesus as my leader. You know what I found? I've been serving Jesus for a little over 20 years. He's never led me astray. Not one time. I've done. Some, I've, I've. I've tried to get off a couple times. He just. He just grabs that rod and just that that staff and just kind of pulls me back in. Good over here, Josh. I'm like okay. He leads well. He makes sure I'm taken care of. Why? Because there's a leadership. But let me tell you this morning, that if we ain't following, he ain't leading. So don't, you know we want to have little crafty little Jesus and not be a part of the flock. We want, to have, we want to be, hey, Jesus, uh, I'm way over here now. Can you lead me? He's like, I can't find you. And don't you love that he would leave the 99 in the hills to go look for the one that wandered off? And that's what he did when he came on the earth. And there's no place that you can go that's too far from him. Come on. But are you willing to follow the leading? Because if you want this abundant life, you've got to be under the leadership of Jesus. We've got this message in church. Okay? Here we go. We've got this message in church. Just come to Jesus. Just come to Jesus and worship. And we have this here. Just come and counter Jesus. Come and counter Jesus. Did you know the message of Jesus wasn't simply come to me? What did Jesus say to the 12? Follow me. See, Jesus isn't just interested in you coming to him. You've got to come to him. Come on. You've got to come to the good shepherd. But that's all we want in church. We just want to come to him. But he ain't calling you just to come to him. He's calling you to follow him because he's got something better for your life. He's got something better for your emotions today than for you to be discouraged. Follow him. Follow him and say, I will follow you all the days of my life. All the days I will follow. I'm in this forever, God. Because you're the good shepherd. I've never, I've been a pretty good sheep, but I've never been a good shepherd. Because sheep don't shepherd well. But God does. The livelihood of a sheep is contingent upon his ability to follow. How close do you follow? I'm telling you, the sheep that wander off and the sheep that get led astray are those that don't follow close. The sheep that get eaten by wolves are those that stay far away from the shepherd, away from his voice. I want to be right up close. Hey, Lord, got a sticker today. 
you got there's a there's a coming, but there's also a going. Are we willing to follow? Jesus said this in Matthew 7. He said it's the narrow gate. It's not a wide gate. If it was wide, every demon in hell would get in. But it's a narrow gate. And he is the gate. We've got all this message. John 10, 27, follow me. Follow me. My sheep, follow me. Is he your shepherd this morning? How close are you following? That's the question. How close are you following? James 1, 22. Well, you got it again. It's awesome. I love coming to Jesus, but there's a follow. James 1, 22. Be doers of the word, not just hearers only. So I'm not just hearing what the shepherd's saying. Oh, isn't that good what the shepherd's saying? Oh, thank you, Jesus. Yeah. Woo, 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 woo. Yeah. Come on. Come on. Oh, I love to hear your word. Be doers. Be doers of the word. We love to hear the voice. It's where the life is, right? His word has life, but we got to be a doer of the word to experience the abundant life. Not just hearers only. Doers of the word. Doers of where the shepherd is leading you. How many of y'all want some following you? Come on. Listen, because the enemy, this is what he does. He leads you astray. He does it through deception. He does it in discouragement disappointment, discontentment. Listen, the, 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 there's one thing that you don't want to be discontent with. How close are you to the shepherd? Man, if, 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 I, if I was a, a sheep, I, which I am a sheep, but if I was a, a, a physical sheep, I would, I would be like, like moving past all the other sheep to get up real close to the shepherd and follow him closely. And I don't know about you, but I've seen too many people go down and be led astray. Kind of follow them back here. And 10 years later, I'm looking at their life. I'm like, what the hell happened to you? Literally. How did you get so far off? Seriously, I see people that, that claim to have served God at one point in their life, that claim to be a follower, that don't serve God today. They're way worse than they ever were before. Why? Because the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Sucker, I'm going to follow close. There ain't no game. Listen, there is a real devil out there who's seeking whom he, whom he may devour. And you know whom he may devour? Those that aren't following close. Those, are with, uh, those that are not within reach of the shepherd's rod. Oh, that's a... That's another message that is going to be coming up in a couple weeks. Come in in three weeks. Just kidding. All right. So there's the friendship. There's the leadership. And number three, there's abiding, the abiding in abundance. Now, did you know that abiding in, the, in abundance with God is contingent upon those two things? Knowing his voice and following him. That's the abundant life. It's where it's found. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. He will come in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that you might have life and have it to the full. The word there, to the full or abundant, actually in the Greek means super abundant. It doesn't mean like I need $10, I have $11. It's like I need $10 and I have 10 grand. That's super abundant. 
He is Jehovah Jireh, my provider. When David said that, he is the Lord is my shepherd. He is Jehovah. He is Jehovah Jireh. He provides for me. He leads me. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Why won't you want? Because you already got it. You got everything you need. Why? Because you live in abundance. You don't live in the red. You don't have lack. You live in the black. Come on. Okay. Listen, Philippians 4.19, I love it. One of my favorite scriptures. My God shall supply all your need according to his. Not according to yours. Not according to how good your job is. You got the good shepherd leading you. According to his riches and glory. His riches and glory. It's not according to yours. Because you got lack, right? <laughs> okay. Listen, and we, we were talking about that. Pe- I know people have gone all crazy. Luke says this, Luke chapter 12, 15, he says, Life does not consist in the abundance of things. So when we talk about the abundant life, there might be some things that are attached to that, but life does not consist in the abundance of things. Life does not consist in the abundance of stuff. Come on, don't let the, don't let the TV preacher steer you wrong. It's not about the stuff, the physical stuff. It's about his stuff. It's about the power of God. It's about the glory of God. The abundance is so that you can have more for everybody else. Whether it be money, whether it be emotions, whether it be healing. Come on, Jesus doesn't want you just to have enough healing so you'll feel good today. He wants you to have enough healing and you're flowing in and through your body so you can walk into hospitals and clear them out. We're talking about power. We're talking about super abundance. And we're sitting around on a little, on a little corner somewhere, kind of up in the corner going, Oh, God, would you just kind of, I'm just kind of begging you, Lord, enough for today. He's like, will you just walk in it? Will you just follow me, and I'll show you how to lay hands on sick people and they recover? Will you just follow me, and I'll show you what it's like to hear a voice come out of heaven that everybody hears and say, this is my beloved son. If you just follow me, you'll follow the miraculous. It's just what happens. Power and glory, that's what we're talking about. All right. So, we know this. When the Lord is my shepherd, I have friendship, I have leadership, and I have the abiding of the abundance. Listen, you don't run out. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I shall not be in want. You will never be in want if you are following the leading of Jesus. You'll never be in want. You'll never have lack. Come on, are you with me? I'm not talking about material things today, although it includes that, but that's not what it's about. It's terrible that we've reduced it to that because we live in America and that's what we like because we're materialistic and, I, and then into idolatry and all that with stuff. There's nothing wrong with stuff, but the problem is the stuff has us. It's okay to have stuff, but it's not about stuff. It's about God's stuff, power, glory, might, something that actually gives people hope versus going out and buy all you want, and at the end of the day, you still feel empty. I thought it would feel better than this. What happens when all that's gone? 
I want to close up with this, and it's it's kind of a, I realize that today could be three messages, but listen, one of the best ways for us to grow in our revelation of Jesus is to partner with the revelation that we have. For instance, I've learned so much about God being my father through my children. Because of the way I feel for them and the way they move me, I have way greater revelation because of that than I did 10 years ago before Mariah was here. Why? Because I've been a father. So how do we learn, not just get the information that I've given you this morning, but how do we translate that information into revelation? By responding and partnering with it. We learn shepherding. We learn the shepherdhood of God by sharing in his shepherding heart that we start seeing people the way that Jesus saw people. That we start seeing that it's my responsibility to lead. See, you're not just a sheep anymore. You are a sheep. The Lord is your shepherd. But you are also starting to look like Jesus. You are also a shepherd. Check this out. Matthew chapter 9. We spend a lot of time in this scripture. We're going to spend the next weeks on this scripture as well. Matthew 9. I know I've given you guys a lot today, but I I think you can handle it. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. That's my Jesus. Every disease and sickness. That's my Jesus. Every disease and sickness. That's what the shepherd does. When he saw the crowds, this scripture breaks me every time. He had compassion on them. Why? Because they were harassed and helpless. Like sheep without a shepherd. See, this is the way Jesus sees lost people. He's not pissed off at them. He's not angry at them. He sees them with a need of leadership. About a year ago, I started praying. I said, God, would you, show, would, you, would you give me this revelation? Would I start seeing people that are lost? Would I not have an angry attitude towards them? But, Lord, would I only see them as a people that are without a shepherd? Of course they don't make good decisions. They don't have a leader in their life. But if I can be like my Jesus, if I can be like my good shepherd, and I could lead them to the gate, the good shepherd, then I know that their life will be better. Because right now they're harassed and they're helpless. And oh, there's a whole lot inside of them. They're resourceful. There's so much destiny for them. But that destiny will never be accessed without the leading of Jesus. Would we start seeing people this way? And then he says this. The harvest is plentiful. There's plenty of sheep out there without shepherds but the workers are few. So ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into the harvest field. I know Jesus is kind of mixing up his analogies here, but if you hold on with me right here and understand, Jesus is saying, I see them like this, 
They're harassed. They're helpless. They need my leadership. I'm broken for them. Ask the Lord of the harvest to send forth laborers. Why? Because we bring people into the kingdom to lead them to Jesus. Because with him, they'll never be helpless.